the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Encouraging cropping. In this podcast, we discuss the importance of cropping for farmland birds. We will focus on small-scale cropping in the west, but also discuss the more arable areas in the east. Welcome, my name is Jeanette Sutherland and I am delighted that we have Chris Bailey from RSPB with us today. Hi Chris. Good morning Jeanette. Thanks for joining us and can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do with crofters and farmers? Yes, I'm basically the advisory manager for RSPB in Scotland. So. I have a team of staff who operate across Scotland, working with farmers and landowners on uh, agri-environment schemes and trying to help um, wildlife on farms and crofts and and trying to work with the farmers to to make the most of the assets that they've got. Excellent. So I'm based on the Isle of Skye and to be honest, we've pretty much lost quite a lot of our cropping. Can you tell us about the importance for bird life for having small areas of cropping or cropping throughout the agricultural landscape? Yes, well, I think the the situation that you sort of describe in Sky is is quite common across um, large parts of Scotland, although it's not everywhere. Um, there are some areas like Isla, for instance, where actually cropping's going up in recent years, thanks to sort of changing in farming practices. In places like Skye, it's definitely noticeable that there's less of these sorts of small pockets of sort of arable habitats now created compared to, say, 20, 30 years ago. And undoubtedly, that does have on knock-on impacts on farmland birds, on wildlife more generally. Although it may be very logical as to why the farmer's done that sort of from a business perspective. What are the benefits to birds of having these cropped areas? For species like twite and linnets and um, some of these small seed-eating birds, these small areas provide really valuable food sources and, and they provide it in a number of ways. Firstly, over the sort of winter period, they can provide seed itself. And, and a lot of these birds require um, seeds for the main part of their diets. But also during the summer months, they also provide important habitats where they can find insects. And, and the insects are normally used by the birds during the sort of the early stages of um, them, them sort of growing up. And, and once they hatch, the, the chicks normally require insects for the first few weeks of life. Less so for uh, linnets, but for quite a lot of the other species that we sort of focus on across Scotland. Having, having these small areas is really important. And then the third, the third element is that for some species like skylark and in certain parts of Scotland, lapwing, these arable areas can provide important nesting habitats. And yeah, the, the management of the sort of springtime is sort of really critical in providing the right sort of nesting areas for them to nest during sort of April to June time, that sort of period. Excellent. So in arable areas, what measures would you like to see to make them even better for birds and wildlife in general? So I think in terms of making them better, I mean, I think for, for starters, it's a case of trying to make sure that they are maintained within the landscapes. I mean, that's really important as a starting point. It doesn't need to be large areas that, are, that can have a really large, important 
component for the sort of burden for wildlife. So just maintaining the small areas to begin with. And then, you know, if there are other areas that can be sort of added back into the sort of farming and crofting systems, that does help as well. And then on top of that, it's about how and where you site them, how you can then go about managing them. Because most of these arable habitats are managed and in, in order for them to to work from a farming perspective as well as a wildlife perspective they do have to be managed it is basically about how how you go about creating them do you use fertilizers do you use insecticides all those sorts of important questions can have uh, really big impacts on what the sort of quality of the habitat looks like at the end and how how many insects there are and, and how much seed is produced um, as well as obviously providing the sort of arable crops that uh, are used um, within the sort of farming systems themselves. Now, we've had previous podcasts where we've interviewed people that are doing innovative things with crops, like making them more into products for beer and things like that. Do you think that that there should be more emphasis on marketing the produce from small scale systems? Yes, I think there is good opportunities. And undoubtedly, one of the benefits of the pandemic, if there was any sort of benefits from the pandemic itself was that certainly for quite a few of the farmers that I work with, it meant that they did actually have to look at alternative ways to produce a living and to sort of strengthen their sort of products really. And also at the same time, it provided more of an interest from the public about where their food is coming from. So I think there is some huge opportunities. I'm not saying it's going to be easy and but certainly I think that there is more opportunity to to look at uh, ways to sort of sell at a local scale and then also uh, I mean a lot of this from a sort of Scottish government perspective they're bringing forward new legislation and they're sort of developing the, the good food nation bill that to a large extent will look at trying to think about where our food comes from but also how do we help and support farmers and buy locally, all that side of things. So I think, yes, there are, there are some huge opportunities. And undoubtedly, the, the, the sort of arable side of things also does provide you with opportunities to do things perhaps a bit differently. Fantastic. So I'd like to go back and unpack the, the insects question a wee bit, because insects are becoming much more of a key concern with concerns about the, the loss of the insect numbers. So on a sort of a, a landscape, is there a benefit to insects to having a variety of habitats, like some pasture and some arable areas and things? Is that good for insect populations and diversity? So the simple answer is yes. The greater the diversity of habitats that are, are created across not just an individual croft, but across a landscape, a sort of wider area, and even right up to the, if you're sort of thinking about across the the whole uh, number of holdings on Sky, for instance, the, the more variety that you can have across Sky in terms of the type of habitats, then the better it is for insects and the better it is actually for plants and for birds as well. Um, so it's, it's really sort of important to sort of think, be thinking about things from a sort of both a very small scale, but also thinking a, across multiple holdings and hopefully more and more of the sort of government schemes of the future will think about how how do farmers work together and support each other to 
protect the species, but also to improve their sort of livelihoods. And I think the sort of landscape scale approach is really sort of important. And so having very small areas of arable crops within sort of larger pockets of grassland is really sort of important because at different stages of the life cycles, they will be using different things. Also, some some species are more specialists and do really require sort of the arable habitat. So it is really important to be having these habitats and variety within the landscapes. And that's perhaps some of the things that have been lost less in Scotland than if, if you were, say, looking at England, where there has been some really big polarisations. But even if you look at what was available in Scotland in, in terms of the type of farming systems that were happening, say, 20, 30 years ago, they are very different to how they are now. Undoubtedly, that has an impact on, on sort of insect life. And you said your role is national. So when you're in areas that are predominantly arable areas, are you concerned about the insect populations there? And is there work that people there can do to boost the insect numbers under the more sort of commercial arable situations? This is equally important to arable areas as to grassland areas where there's small pockets of sort of arable lands. RSPB works a lot on corn buntings. And we do a lot of work on the sort of East Scotland mainland population, which is sort of running right round sort of Fife, right round to sort of Aberdeenshire and, and that that sort of locality where where the sort of heartlands are of um, sort of mixed farming and, and, and sort of barley production from, from a Scotland perspective. What we've been able to do is to work very successfully with farmers right across that area to not only improve the fortunes of corn buntings, which was our original objective, we've also been able to put in lots of habitats which help corn buntings, but also are focused on providing sort of pollination. So some of the wild bird cover crops, for instance, that we're growing initially specifically for corn buntings, have got clovers added in, have got various other things like uh, phacelia, so they were encouraging the bees um, and what we've done is we've done research to sort of demonstrate the fact that in putting in those small pockets of uh, seed rich habitats we've also multiplied the numbers of bees that have, have been put up and you managed to benchmark the bee numbers from yeah so yeah as part of our sort of research what we've done is we've looked at um the sort of start of the period how, how many bees were there and then we've gone back after the farmer has created these plots and then we've gone out and recounted the same sort of areas and and there's been a massive increase in numbers. It's the same for Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust and their work on grey partridge for instance you know providing habitats that uh, work for for those particular bird species are also then really important for the insects and and as I say the insects are important in themselves but they're also important from a bird food perspective so it's a sort of a win-win situation if and if you put them in the right quantity and in right places you can see some very large increases in these numbers of birds. Well that's fantastic. You talked at the start a bit about agri-environment scheme and payment rates in the future. If you had a wish from the genie what would you see these schemes moving towards to encourage more cropping throughout the Crofton counties? 
and maybe more wildlife friendly arable areas throughout the whole of Scotland? What would you like? So I think the next couple of years are going to be really vital in terms of not only protecting and supporting farmers moving forward. With us leaving Europe, it does give Scottish Government a massive opportunity to sort of review and reflect on the current payments that go to farmers and how do we make them work as best as possible to support the farmers and crofters first and foremost, but also at the same time protect biodiversity and also reduce the the industry's impact to climate change, but also from climate change. So there are some really big opportunities, I think, over the next few years. What I would like is a scheme that provides a range of different opportunities and options across Scotland, because obviously there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to this. So what's possible in the bottom bits of the Lothians won't necessarily work in Sky and, and vice versa. So we need a scheme that's all schemes that are flexible, that provide enough advice and support for farmers and landowners that bring in the sort of expertise from sort of RSPB and, and other organisations who can sort of help provide specialist information on, on individual bird species and at the same time provides value for money for the public. So I think there's a huge amount to do over the next few years. In, in potentially, it's very exciting, but also from a farming perspective, I recognise it's also quite scary because there's an awful lot of unknowns at the moment. So what we know is that the status quo isn't good enough because bird numbers and biodiversity in general is still going down. The climate change situation, as, as we've seen through COP, has the industry needs to improve their sort of environmental footprint. And at the same time, we need to basically maintain and improve the position for crofters and farmers. What you've just mentioned, sort of, is that, you know, we're living through both a a wildlife emergency and a climate emergency. But it's quite tricky sometimes, I think, for crofters to navigate that because, you know, there's a lot of sort of anti-cow messages from the methane story. I would say that cattle are quite integral to crofting systems and they often bring lots of wildlife benefits. What are your thoughts on sort of balancing that and making sure that you're not losing anything through blanket climate messages? You're right. I, mean, I think um, sometimes the, the debate gets very polarised. I mean, there's there's no doubt that cattle are really very important from a, from a point of view of birds, even on RSPB's own reserves, for instance, we use cattle and sheep to do well quite a lot of our land management in terms of without them, we can't manage for the species that we're sort of protecting. And if you look at, say, corncrake, I work a lot on corncrake and help sort of coordinate our work across Scotland. There's certain islands now where the numbers of cattle have gone down quite considerably in recent years. And we know that they're really important as part of the sort of overarching process alongside agri-environment schemes to delivery and support for corncrake habitats. There's no doubt that cattle and other livestock produce methane and the amount of methane needs to be reduced. But equally, at the same time, it's really important that we find ways to help and support farmers and crofters to maintain cattle in, in some of these really important amazingly fantastic parts of the world 
you know, there's some beautiful parts of the country in Scotland and undoubtedly cattle are an important part of that. And that would fit with our experience in Skye, because certainly the with the core areas of the Corn Creek definitely are where there's the most sort of active crofting and cattle population. So I think that does make sense. We're all trying to work to like maintain and improve the population still. What positives do current policies have for crofting and farming systems <laughs> in our area? The current policies do have some benefits, uh, undoubtedly. So things like agri-environment schemes do provide important income. Obviously, if you're a landowner, you'll be receiving various payments and payment support for farming, um, which which is vitally important for quite a lot of the farmers and crofters, particularly in the sort of the sky part of the world. Under the current systems, there are some benefits. What I hope will happen in over the next few years, and certainly by 2025, when Scottish government have got to have come up with a new replacement policy for what exists at the moment is that the policies will be better and they will be more flexible and they will better reward farmers and crofters for the work that they are doing on the ground to support biodiversity and reduce their footprints um, from a sort of climate change perspective. So I think that there's lots of room for improvement undoubtedly barely meet anybody that would say that the current agri-environment schemes for instance are not bureaucratic frustrating and if we can find a mechanism that whatever replaces it moving forward that makes it easier for farmers and crofters to enter into these schemes and to be better supported for delivery of what we want then I think that would be a significant step forward. No, I would say because what we've been talking about, like bringing back small areas of arable, the payment rates only really make sense if you already had the kit or on your farm yeah. anyway, or you already had like the infrastructure of a local contractor who could do that work. So I think when you were talking about the, the localised areas, it's those kind of issues that need to be able to be proactively solved when there are a problem in a particular area or have the payments rates reflect the extra work that you'd need to do that like say in Sky than compared to maybe in Perth or Fife where you've got more of that infrastructure already there. Yes, no, I, I think that's a, a very fair comment. Part of the sort of flexibility I would like to see being able to be built in. But it is also about how government supports, I suppose, the industry to make the changes in order to deliver what government wants it to deliver for the mon- for the money. We've really got to find ways that we can help farming and crofting on some of these amazingly special places that are really biodiversity rich in certainly a UK context and internationally important for places like the Macca. We've got to find mechanisms that allow farmers and crofters to carry on farming and crofting at the same time as protecting the species like corncrake and great yellow bumblebees and all the other things that I'm passionate about um, as somebody that works for RSPB. Fantastic. Now it's coming towards the end of the year and people start to do a bit more reflection. What are the best parts of your role? I spend a lot of time talking and working with farmers and landowners and it's very rewarding. They challenge me and my organisation a lot um, and that's great. 
we can have free-flowing conversations about all sorts of things. But at the same time, a lot of the people I talk to and work with are passionate about what they do on their own land. They're passionate about the wildlife on their land themselves, and they're always wanting to, to know more. And it's, yeah, even during the pandemic, it's been a real, where I've been having to sit, unfortunately, in Edinburgh for large tracks of the year. It's been, yeah, really positive to be able to hear and speak and talk to the farmers as, as they sort of go about doing the work that they do on a daily basis. That's fantastic. We're at, coming towards the end of the year and we have talked about how there's a, a lot of polarisation and maybe misunderstanding between the different sectors. Do you have a, a New Year's message for crofters <laughs> and farmers in the high nature value areas of Scotland? <laughs> I hope they have a, a very good and happy new year and I hope next year is better for them and well, better for all of us in terms of our abilities to get out and about and do things in a bit more normality and please keep just keep doing and keep challenging because I think that's sort of really important and without what they do on the ground the birds that I work on won't survive so uh, i think it's really important that we carry on working together and rspb carries on working with faz and various other organizations try and help farmers as much as we can do thank you so much for your time coming in today and sharing all your knowledge thanks chris okay that's no problem at all thank you bye <laughs>